Hey guys, I'm Kristen. And I'm Kara. Welcome to Town and Field Church. We're so glad that you joined us this morning. Now as we prepare to gather and open up the scripture and worship, we pray that wherever you are at would become an encounter with Jesus and that you would be reminded of the abundant life that's found in him. Yeah, we just pray that your home would become an extension of this house, that you would feel welcome here just as you are. Our service will begin in just a moment. Good morning, everybody. If you'd like to stand, I'm just going to read uh, some scripture before we start. It's from Psalm 8. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name. People everywhere see your splendor. You have built a stronghold by the songs of children. Strength rises up with the chorus of infants. Has the power to shut Satan's mouth. Childlike worship will silence the madness of those who oppress you, oppose you. Look at the splendor of your skies, your creative genius flowing through, glowing in the heavens. When I gaze at the moon and the stars, mounted like jewels in their settings, I know you are the fascinating artist who fashioned it all. But I have this question to ask. Why would you bother with puny mortal man or care about human beings? Yet what honor have you given to men, created only a little lower than Elohim, crowned with glory and magnificence? Oh my gosh. You have delegated to them rulership over all you have made with everything under their authority, placing earth itself under the feet of your image bearers. All created order and every living thing of the earth, sky, and sea, the wildest beasts, and all that move in the paths of the sea, everything is in submission to Adam's son. Yahweh, our sovereign God, your glory streams from the heavens above, filling the earth with the majesty of your name, people everywhere see your splendor. And just as we enter in into, into worship, into singing, I just want to speak out some of the names um, of God, just some of the characteristics of the Lord. And as I speak these out, I just encourage you to uh, just to think about that, um, just for wherever you're coming from in your week. 
um, you would just be reminded of who our God is and just what he, what he has done for us. So he is provider, he is protector, he is father, he is friend, he is God of peace, God who serves. all-knowing, he is faithful, he is king, he is Messiah, he is capable, he is forgiving, he is Emmanuel, God with us, he is creator, he is savior, he is healer, among other things. So as we just go into this song, I just encourage you to, to think about that and just to leave aside the cares and uh, the distractions of the world and just to lay that all at his feet as we enter into his, into his presence.
Father, we welcome you here with praise. We open our hearts to you, O oh Lord. May what's dead come to life in your presence. As we prayed multiple times this morning before the service, I just pray that your spirit would just come and move in power. See, even now, we just welcome you, Holy Spirit, just to come and move and have your way in our hearts. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you that you're all those things that I spoke before we sang the first song. It's all those characteristics of you. We thank you, Jesus. We welcome you here today.
let's keep worshiping together by praying. Father, we come into your presence, the presence that Anna reminded us that of how much you are, of who you are, of how wonderful you are. We come here into your presence because you made a way for us to be here. And we're just people and we're just dust, broken, messed up, regular. And you make room for us. You invite us into your family, into your throne room. And we come here today into your presence with gratitude. We come here into your presence expecting to meet you here. Would you be gracious to us and meet us? We welcome you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, everybody. My name is Janice, part of the Town and Field community here, and I am delighted to welcome you today. I just want to do a thing that I need, and so I'm going to force it on you, okay? I'm going to call this name Amnesty Day. So if you have somebody that you have completely forgotten their name despite the fact that you've been married to them for 10 years, this is the day when you get to say, hey, I just need, can you remind me of your name? Because there's like no judgment. This is like a total free zone. So go find the people that it's awkward and there will be no awkwardness here today, I promise. And if you're a person who's like, what? I know everybody. I need to see you. I need to ask you some questions. So go ahead, say good morning to each other and uh, find out some names. Let's be family. All right. Hey, that was great, right? Did you, did you do it? Did you find out some names and now it's not awkward anymore? I hope so. Hey, I want to welcome you back. It's so good to be back to our 9 and 1045 services. I love you guys, the 9 o'clock crew. You're my crew and uh, welcome. We, we can do this, 9 o'clock. That's easy peasy. Uh, I've got a few things that I want to let you know about. If you're a guest with us here this morning, we're super glad that you're here. And I want to, maybe you've been started coming over the summer, you moved into town or you've been around Maybe you've even been around for a while and you're just sort of figuring things out. I want to invite you to connect in a few different ways. So next week, uh, after this service and before the second service, is a connect brunch. You don't have to RSVP. You just show up. There's food there. There's awesome people there. You can get to know our church a little bit better, get to know a bunch of the people a little bit better. So uh, remember that. Next Sunday, put it in your mental agenda or your phone or whatever you need to do. And uh, if you are trying to figure out, like, what is going on around here, you should sign up for our newsletter on our website. So you just head on to the main page, scroll to the bottom, you'll see the subscribe button down there. Make sure you're getting regular updates about what is going on. And if you're a social media person, you want to get onto our Instagram page, there's lots of regular updates that will help you know what's going on. For instance, it will help you know that uh, tomorrow night, our youth and young, or sorry, our young adults group starts. So that's 6.30 tomorrow night. It includes dinner and it's just an awesome authentic community gathering around Jesus and uh, really doing life together in a beautiful way for young adults who are 18 to 30 so if that's your age bracket you'll want to be there and uh, check that out 
But if you're not 18 to 30, if you're, uh, you know, the rest of us, you, <laughs> I want to invite you as well, well, really everybody, I want to invite everybody to participate in a prayer and petition night coming up on Friday. And as a church, it's not very often that we stop and have an, a lengthy time of corporate prayer together, but it's such an important thing because the kingdom of God is bigger and better than anything else that is on our agenda. And so um, this Friday at 7 o'clock uh, is a night of prayer and petition, a time for us to come before the Lord, to be in his presence, to listen to speak together our prayers, our petitions, our requests, and to trust that he is uh, there among us moving based on our time with him. And so um, make sure you prioritize that. But also I want to invite you not just to the spiritual formation practice of corporate prayer, which is a really important practice, but also to the practice of fasting. On Friday, whether or not you can come to this event, why don't you take the day to fast to skip maybe one meal or two or even three and uh, come before the Lord, let go of the things that are um, that physical reality of, of the rhythm of eating and that how it satisfies in so many ways. And instead, uh, come expectantly before the Lord and trust him to satisfy, to meet you there, to meet your needs. So I want to invite you to fast on Friday and then come out to the prayer and petition night. So put that in your mental agenda or in your phone, whatever you need to do. All right, I want to invite up our interim team lead, Catlin Allen. He's going to open up the word on Vision Sunday. I know he's excited. In fact, I toned down my excitement so that he looks even more excited. So here we go. Come on. The um, prayer and petition night is going to be really good. I'm fasting on Friday, and I thought to myself, I was like, I'm going to fast on that day in prep for prayer and petition. So I wanted to extend the invite to everybody to fast on that day. I think it's just going to be really special. Uh, we're going to just have a time of collective prayer, uh, listening prayer, prophetic prayer. It's just going to be a great time. I've been so moved uh, in my time in the Old Testament, just how often David in particular would inquire of the Lord. And it's just going to be a night where we get to inquire of the Lord. And I think it's going to be really good. I got my stool because I'm an old man now. And I hurt myself in the gym again. And uh, it's just an old injury, but... Uh, Man, I just feel my age these days, you know. Anybody else with me? Just feeling your age? Thank goodness. We, I, I'm in good company. And I was like, of all weeks, you know. Of all weeks, come on. But it's Vision Sunday because I want to talk through our vision. Uh, I want to talk through our vision. Like, what is it? Why, why is it what it is? Where did it come from? All this kind of stuff. Because here's the question I want to ask you. is like, why do you come here? Like why do you and I come every week to this place and we do this collective moment? Why do we do this? Is it, is it routine and rhythm? Is that why we do this? Is it habit? Is it like uh, maybe for some of you it's like, oh, it's because my parents brought me. You know, it's like what's the reason? Some of you it's like it's, it cannot be the coffee, right? So it's got to be something else, you know. And it's like what brought you here? Why do we do this? There has to be a vision, there has to be a purpose, there has to be a reason. You and I are collectively uh, combining and doing life together, and it's got to be more than an hour on Sunday. There has to be a better reason, right? Otherwise you woke up early for not really a great reason. But maybe, could it be that there's a vision that's so captivating in the, in the, in the gospel accounts, maybe there's a vision so captivating from Jesus that it, it, it beckons me 
to commit my life to something that's more than a Sunday. That's Vision Sunday. That's what we're going to talk about. In order to get there, it's going to be helpful just to, just to build a baseline for us. And so I want to build a baseline of what is the church real quickly so that when we go into our vision, we can work off of a baseline in a common understanding of what we're doing here. Here's my working definition of the church. It is a collective community of people who are apprenticing under Jesus, filled and empowered by the Spirit, rooted in Scripture, who are joined together for His glory and our great joy, being unified by love, released on mission through purpose to see disciples make disciples. Here's what the church is not. The church is not an event, right? Like so many people think, I go, I go on the weekend to a particular local church, and that's, that's it. It's an event. The church is not an event, nor is it an event organizer. Right? Like, and, and that's not to say that there aren't some places that, uh, that that's what it becomes. It becomes like an event or an event organizer, where it's like we just put on the weekend. But if that's, if that's all it becomes, then we've missed what Jesus came to do. Jesus did not come to put on an event. He came to draw people to himself. He didn't come here to organize events. So the church is not an event. We don't do church. Nowhere do we see that in the gospel council. Nowhere do we see that in this definition. There's a mandate and a mission and a vision that Jesus has for his ministry that then becomes our ministry. So the question then is, okay, so what's, what's the assignment, right? Like what's the mandate? What are we doing? And it... And at Town and Field Church, this is our, our vision statement. And maybe some of you, you might be like, oh, this is new for me. Or this is, um, you know, over the last three years, there's been um, staff turnover. There's been coming out of restrictions back into meeting stuff. And so vision leaks, right? We know that. Like vision leaks, the experts say leaks every 30 days. And we've gone kind of like a couple of years without really like making our vision the forefront and the driving factor. And so, um, and so it's, it's helpful to put it back into uh, the, the driving seat. Because it's what drives everything we do, which over the, here's the roadmap. Over the next few weeks, after today, next two weeks, I'm going to do a series on culture and foundation. So in other words, today we're going to unpack our vision and then how do we do that? What's the culture? What's the foundation? And then, we, then we're going to do a series in, in Eden, which is going to be really fun because I think it's going to unpack what we're talking about even more so. Here's our, here's our vision statement. To see people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus. All we're about here is to see people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus. That's all we're about. We're not about, uh, we're not about like running events. We're not about, uh, we're not about building a brand. We're about driving people to Jesus. That's all that matters. That people, all people, all people, people who know Jesus, people who don't know Jesus, people of every economic background, people of every race, people of of, of, every, of, of any background, that all people get to experience abundant life that's only found in Jesus. And this comes from John 10. This comes from John 10. And I love, it specifically comes from John 10.10. 10. But I want to give us the larger context of John 10 if I can. And so starting in the seventh verse, uh, John writes this. He says, Therefore, Jesus says again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. And then he says for the second time, I am the gate. 
Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. But watch this, verse 10. This is where our vision statement is based off of. Watch this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Some translations say that, I may, that they may come or that I have come that they may have life and abundant life. The thief comes only to, to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and life to the full. And then he goes on and Jesus continues. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd. And the hired hand does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and he cares nothing for the sheep. But I'm the good shepherd. That's twice, twice. I'm the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. It's intimacy. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. The thief does not take his life. But I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from the father. Why does it matter? I love the 10th chapter of John. Because in the 10th chapter of John, it's the gospel. It's that people are far from God, original sin, humanity separated from God, and the Son is sent to restore and reconcile relationship between humanity and God. And I love at the very end there, he says, this command I received from my Father, it was the Father's love for you that tells the Son that I'm going to send you as the promised Messiah to lay down your life, to pay a price that we could not pay so that I could reconcile back to myself, my people. And restore relationship. And so it matters. We're not called to shelter and bunker. When we step into relationship with Jesus, my friend, for we step into this mission and mandate that he's, a, that he's doing. To see humanity reconcile back to himself. We're not, we're not like, oh, hunkering down in our own safe zone. We're joining Jesus in his mission that people would experience abundant life. And here's why it matters. Because the thief, friends, is alive and active. It matters, friends, because the thief is alive and active. And the thief has come to steal, to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is alive and working. And we don't have to look far to see the thief, do we? Right? We just turn on the news. We just look at our own homes. We look in our own workplaces. We look in the places that we frequent. And we see the thief alive and active. The exploitation of the poor, the refugee crisis, the selling of children into, into the sex slave trade, the toxic polarization of politics, broken families, the increase of anxiety and depression, mental illness, the 110 million people displaced globally, broken relationships, identity crises, the overdose crisis in our province, which, by the way, is the leading cause of death in our province. It outnumbers and surpasses homicides, suicides, and accidents, and natural diseases combined. Friends, the, the thief is stealing and killing and destroying. Some of you are seeing the thief steal joy in the life of your kids, your family, in the life of your friends. You're seeing the thief active in your friends' lives. You know, in February in Surrey, in my city, 
There was a 14-year-old boy who died to suicide because of sexploitation. And he's not the only one that's taken his life because of sexploitation. This is where people online are manipulated into giving uh, provocative photos, and then they're held ransom that we will leak these photos online if you don't, if you don't pay a ransom. This is sexploitation. And in my city, there was a 14-year-old in February who took his life because of that. In June, uh, I pastored a student ministry. I founded a pastor's student ministry for uh, many years in Vancouver. One of my students in June, three months ago, he had just graduated high school. He just got accepted to SFU. But he had been battling mental health for a long time. And in June, after his graduation, one night, he finished time with friends. And he came to the church that I had pastored at. And he came to that building and he took his life at that building. Friends, the thief is alive and active. He's killing, stealing, and destroying. And he stole my friend's life. And he's stealing joy, friends. My childhood friend named Chad, I started connecting back with uh, over the last two years. And he started going through some stuff. And he had gone into rehab for addiction. And he had got clean, he comes out of addiction, he got a place, he's doing well. But then he relapsed. And in his relapse, he went into a spiral. And we started talking and connecting. And his addiction uh, was too much for him. And now my friend Chad is no longer housed. And he's my age, and he's in his 30s, and he lives on the streets of Calgary now. Because the enemy, friends, the thief, is still stealing, killing, and destroying. And he's destroying and killing and stealing my friend's life through addiction. And he stole my student's life through, through suicide. And some of you are looking at your friend's lives and your kids' lives and people you know, and you're seeing the joy being robbed from them. You're seeing the thief alive and active. So friends, when we look at John 10, there has to be a promise to the thief in John 10.10. 10. And Jesus says, this is the thief. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. Ah, but, but fear not. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. Abundant life. This does not mean, though, that Jesus is not saying this, though, that you're promised an easy life. Never once does he say, somehow, mysteriously, your life's just going to be easy. We know that's just not true. He doesn't say all your needs are going to be met. This is not a, a health and wealth gospel. This is not a health and wealth uh, message that Jesus is saying. But he is saying this. He talks about the pasture. He talks about that he's the reality. He's the gate. And only through him you get to enter through the gate. And he's saying in a relationship with me and the good shepherd, he says you get identity and purpose and calling and assignment and peace and joy and contentment and community and transformation and freedom and life both now and eternal. A life filled by the Spirit, not a feeling. I don't feel good all the time, but I, I live a life that's filled. Filled by the Spirit. And he says, you get to walk in this abundant life. And he came to seek and save the lost, those who are walking in darkness. So our vision at TNF, our, our mandate, our vision is to join people, is to, is to join Jesus in seeing people experience abundant life. Because friends, I'm tired of the thief stealing life. I'm tired of friends that are, that are in uh, spirals. I'm tired of friends seeing joy stolen from them. I'm tired of friends 
who are just living their day by day, just trying to get through the day. And the thief is stealing and killing and destroying when the reality is I know the one who has and has promised abundant life. And it's like that's, that's our vision and that's our mandate. That's our calling as a local community is to join Jesus in his mission and his mandate and his calling as one sent by the Father. And he does this two ways, friends. Two ways. He says, one, I'm the gate. He says, I'm the gate. And he says it twice. That we enter into this, this reality. We enter into this, uh, this fulfilled uh, life through the gate. It's an image of security and nurture, isn't it? The security is provided by the proximity to the shepherd, not by the walls built up by the enclosure. And yet how often do we find our security by building our lives in such a way that we feel secure? We try to build up these walls. Our security both now and eternity are found in the good shepherd. Not in our job, our net worth, our network, our followers, our education. Our security is found by the proximity to the shepherd. Our abundant life, our life and life to the full is found in proximity to the shepherd. We see this briefly in Eden but fully realized in the book of Revelation. Eden being in Genesis the first book in the Bible and Revelation being the last letter in the, in the scriptures. We see it briefly in Eden, fully realized in Revelation. This is what my friend Daryl says. He says this, Jesus, Jesus describes that open door in the Sermon on the Mount. Enter through the narrow gate, for he says, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it, Matthew 7. He says this, the open door is narrow. We have to accept that fact. But it is wide open, wide open to any who will enter. And it leads to all the riches of life found in the richness of the living God. Yeah, it's, this is why people are like, well, maybe there's, maybe there's more one way to, to, the, to an abundant life. Maybe there's more one way. No, there's one gate. There's one way, and it's Jesus. And we, it, we have to accept that reality. And yet, like Daryl says, that gate is wide open. To anyone who says, yes, I want to come to the gate. I want to enter through the gate. Our mandate and our vision is to lead people to the gate, to the good shepherd. You and I, we can't save anybody. Right? And so often, like we, we especially in like pastoral ministry, people are like, my pastor's got me. I got nobody. But all I can do is point you to Jesus. I love sitting with people. I love spending time with people. But there's no savior complex because there's only one savior. There's only one Messiah who's come to offer abundant life. And friends, I'm just, friends, we're all just people who are coming to the gate and the good shepherd collectively together. So our, our mandate and our, our vision at TNF is that we would, we would walk this journey with people to see all people experience abundant life in the way of Jesus. That we would see all people. So how is he the good shepherd? So twice he says, I'm the gate. That only through me can you get this abundant life. But then he says, I'm the good shepherd. So how is he the good shepherd? And he unpacks it throughout John 10. And we'll just, we'll just, we'll commentate our way through it. And I love this. He says, he's the good shepherd. And he says, because I laid down my life for, my for, for the sheep. And he goes on to say, the hired hand abandons the sheep. And he runs away when the wolf comes. And he cares nothing for the sheep. Isn't that so true? That the things of this world abandon us and they let us down. They fail us. They disappoint us. And they care really, at the end of the day, nothing for us. They use us. This is why, like in moments, do you ever, do you ever just realize that like, 
there's so much attention on one thing, but then also within two days, we don't hear anything more about it. Because the world just moves on. And so sometimes we think, oh, this, this place has got me, the system's got me, this has got me. And you ever been, you ever been to a, 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 a memorial service? And within a few days, everyone's life just carries on. The, it's like the world, sometimes we think, oh, my politicians got me. The system's got me. My, my employers, got, somebody's got me. But it's like, it's like what Jesus says, they're, they're the hired hand. They're the hired hand. And yet it's only Jesus that cares for us. Why? Because he created you. You were made on purpose for a purpose. You're not a mistake. Jesus has designed you. He knitted you together in your mother's womb. You're, you're designed on purpose for a purpose. And he wants to invite you into this abundant life. And he cares for his sheep so much that he would lay down his own life for the sheep. Where the hired hand, in times of pressure, the hired hand abandons the sheep. But in times of pressure, Jesus lays his life down for the sheep. And then he goes on to say, I know the sheep and the sheep know me. Just as I know the Father and the Father knows me. Oh, how, how powerful is that reality? That there's a God who knows you. There's a God that says, I know you and I want to be known by you. I want, my I want the sheep to know my voice. And I know their voice. Just as I know the Father's voice and the Father knows me. He's saying that the same intimacy between the Son and the Father is the same intimacy that's an invitation in this abundant life between you and Jesus, you and the Good Shepherd. That there's this amazing intimacy that you're invited. How, how amazing is that in, in a culture and society that's so isolated, in a culture and society that's so difficult to build community, and there's a God that says, I want to have a level of intimacy with you. I want to have a level of relationship with you that's the same as between me and the Father. Look at what, a, what, a, what, a, what an unbelievable invitation into abundant life, into life and life to the full. That you're not invisible, but that you're seen. That you're not invisible, but that you're seen. Oh, and then he goes on. This is maybe one of my favorite parts. In verse 16, he says, but I have other sheep that are not, in, that are not uh, of this sheep pen. I have other sheep that aren't here yet. I must bring them also. I love this. I love this part. I love it because I was one of the sheep not in the pen. I was one of the guys, I was just doing my life, living my life, totally different worldview. I was, I was an atheist, and yet I met Jesus, and it changed my life. I went from a life that was being stolen and killed by the thief to abundant life, and I love it because it upsets people who know Jesus. And I love when he does that. That we have to care about our city. We have to care about the places we frequent. We have to care about... Uh, the people who are not yet, who don't yet know the Good Shepherd. Listen, friends, this is not a feel-good club. This is not where I found Jesus, so I'm good. I got community. I got belonging. I have abundant life. While we, look, we turn on the news, we go to our places of work, we share life with people, and we see the thief killing, stealing, and destroying. But, oh, I'm good. I got my community. I love singing the songs on Sunday. And there's, there's, there's people who are having joy and life stolen and destroyed. 
And I love when Jesus says, oh, there's sheep who are not yet in the pen, but I, I'm going after them also. There's people in your life that Jesus is already pursuing. You know that. Just as he's pursuing you, he's pursuing people that are not even aware of him yet. And he says this pen is not exclusive, friends. It's not an exclusive club that you somehow have to merit your way into. All you do is come through the open gate, which is Jesus. This is not an exclusive club. That's why when I see my friends and my family who are struggling, all I long for them is that they would find the good shepherd. Because their solutions and their plans and their medicating for their situations is not working. But there's, there's a good shepherd who cares about their situation. There's a good shepherd who cares for them that says, guess what? There's life and life eternal. There's abundant life found in me. So this is our vision, that we would experience abundant life in the good shepherd. And likewise, that we would see people, all people, everyone, no matter age, gender, social economic background, race, find abundant life. That those who are not yet uh, in, the, in, the, in the pen, in the, in the gate, those who have not yet met Jesus would, would find abundant life in the way of Jesus. That the gate, that is Jesus, the good shepherd, would be known in Langley and Surrey and our region and would transform and revive our nation. Right? So I, I, I open us by saying, why are we come here? Why are you and I here? It's not for an event. It's not for an hour uh, event. It's that you and I, if you so, so want to join Jesus in his, in, his, in his cause and his mandate, if you so want to, there's something more going on than a one-hour event on the weekend. It's that Jesus is the good shepherd calling people into abundant life, away from the thief who's stealing, killing, and destroying. And he's like, he's like, come on, there's people that need to get into the pasture where there's life and life to the full. And you and I, as people who are apprenticing under Jesus, have been invited to the same cause. And how could we not, can I just be honest, how could we not, how could we receive the good shepherd and the good news and somehow feel like, I'm good now, when there is a thief who is alive and active. That's why I want things on the weekend to be done with excellence. Our team knows that. But I don't hang my hat on the weekend or on the excellence because I long that people who are having life stolen from them would find abundant life. And to me, that's just more priority. And I just long that people would come to know the abundant life because I know people that are watching uh, life be stolen and destroyed. And I just long, like I long for my friend who's stuck in a cycle of addiction to be like, like, Chad, man, like, there's more to life, bro. Because I'm, I'm so tired of the thief stealing, killing, and destroying, right? And I know you see it in your friend's life. I mean, I know you see it in your own life. So I, I asked a friend who goes here, I said, bro, can I share your story? And he said, yeah. I was like, can you type it up because it's too good. I want to read it. And I'll leave him anonymous, but I asked if I could share his story. I'd love to close with with this story. He goes here, and this is uh, his story. He says this. He says, I was previously married. Our relationship was always rocky and full of conflict. I was drinking a ton, lying, and I was cheating. Things that I thought were just a part of life. I always felt bad for these things. They always felt wrong. 
But so many others did these things and bragged about how great it was. So I was trying to chase the happiness like they had. Isn't that interesting? He's trying to chase happiness because the thief has lied to him. Watch this story. The thief has lied to this guy. Saying, do these things, you'll find happiness. What a lie. That's not abundant life. And we're about to see that in his story. That's not abundant life. But he's lied to by the thief. I thought getting married and buying a house would solve all our problems with my ex. But it just made them worse. So we separated. And for about a year, we lived apart. In that year, mentally, physically, we went in opposite directions. She dove into faith and made it a way, a way of her life. She got healthy. Watch this. Watch this abundant life because she found Jesus. Watch this. She got healthy. She went for counseling. She started eating well. She started exercising. She cut out the vices that were in her life. And the way she acted was very kind and it was unselfish. Which she was giving credit to following Jesus. Y'all see the abundant life in this lady's life. And then he says how she was living was noticeably, was noticeably very attractive. There's something about when we live the abundant life that people take notice of. So I started heavily drinking, eating very unhealthy, womanizing in secret and working less so I could get home early and do all of these things. My body was breaking down. Some days it was hard to breathe from being so hungover. It felt like my days were getting darker and shorter every day. Some days the only reason I got out of bed was thankfully I had a dog that I should take out. No one really knew. I could always keep things hidden to protect my image. During our separation year, she tried very hard to make things work with us. And I'd always push her away and blame her that it was her fault things didn't work. The underlying issue I had was I didn't want to admit the cheating and lying I had done. I'd rather push her away and make her think it was her fault. I was also mad that she was living at her mom's house for free while I was paying the mortgage. And I was very financially stressed. But oddly enough, I always had money for booze and girls. Since she tried so much and I showed no interest in reconciling with with her, we agreed to end things. Eventually, one day, she had uh, she had enough of our arguing. She went. Uh, she just wanted to move on with her life. She told me, okay, that she loved me, that she wanted me to be happy, and that I could just have everything. Watch this. Watch this radical generosity. You could just have everything. If that's what I wanted. It wasn't easy, but she would figure it out. She just wanted me to be okay, and we will be praying for that. And that she said we'd be praying for that. It was a very genuine and sincere. So in their separation, she said, look, I just want you to be happy. I'm watching your life. I'm watching the thief steal, kill, and destroy your life. I don't want anything in this divorce. You can just have it all. Because I just want you to find abundant life. Do you see what's happening in this narrative? One day she came over to talk things through. Oh, sorry. He, he said that act of kindness uh, absolutely broke me. There's something that God did in his heart through her radical generosity. One day she came over to talk about things. I started admitting some of the lies and the cheating, which obviously really hurt her. She didn't know what to do, so she just told me if I ever wanted to, uh, to get back together with her, I'd need to stop drinking, get a therapist, and I needed to find God. It's an invitation to the abundant life. I knew I needed to make changes in my life. I hated myself. And drinking numbed that feeling. So quitting drinking was no problem. I got into AA. I did that for a while. And I didn't drink for three years. I got an amazing therapist who was also a Christian, a Jesus follower, and encouraged me with my faith journey. We dove into a whole life and did a ton of work over a number of years that was life-changing. The find God part was something I didn't know how to do really, but wanted to. 
And I figured I would at least, quote, try it just for her so I could get her back. I never needed to believe in God to have her before, so it's something I figured I could just fake. Oh, you can't come into the presence of God and fake it. Watch this. I thought I would just fake it until I got her back. She suggested I go to Alpha at, at a church. <laughs> I told her that I'd go, but I wanted, oh, but watch this. I warned her that I would not back down from my opinions. Oh, I love my friend. I'm not going back down from my opinions, but I'm going to go. I might offend some people, and I may even talk people out of uh, their own faith and make them doubt. Ah, it's because you don't know Jesus yet. She didn't seem too worried about it, LOL, he says. So off to Alpha I go. I joined an Alpha table group. It was very matter of fact, and I let them know right away I was only here to get a girl back. <laughs> and that I don't believe in any of this stuff. I was only here to try it for a week, and I'm not committing to anything. <sighs> I love people, right? I love my friend. I just didn't want them to think they had a chance to push anything on me. Yeah, I, I was the same way, man. They were okay with that, and they let me know it was okay. Whatever I decided, they were just happy I was there, which was really cool, and I didn't expect it. We did the session, and what I learned about God and Jesus that night was really sounded like the voice that was inside my head and the feelings I've had in life to do the right thing. My natural thoughts or reactions, things would have been reaffirmed with these teachings. I obviously chose not to listen to that voice or feelings throughout my life, so it was really interesting to me. It piqued my interest to come back the next week for the next session. In that session, we talked about sin or something like that things in our lives that we know aren't good. So being where I was in that moment of my life, I was like, hey, I drink a lot, I get angry, I womanize. I shared a ton of where I come up short in life. Then I asked her, what about you guys? And nobody shared. We all just sat there. That honestly felt horrible to me. I thought they were all perfect people who were Christians with no problems in their lives. He, you just, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. And I was the only one who's been messing up. I felt like such a loser and that I definitely didn't belong here. The next session for Alpha was the weekend retreat, which was a couple days away. I told the group that I think that would be too much for me. And I probably won't be coming. I was then walking to my truck to leave that night, and a guy from my group who didn't talk much stopped me. He thanked me so much for all that I had been sharing over the past two weeks. He said that the first couple weeks when I wasn't there weren't very good, and that he decided he was going to stop coming. And he was just going to sit through one more session, which happened to be the first night I came. And me being there and being so open and honest has encouraged him to keep going, coming and to dig into faith more. He thanked me again, gave me some advice and encouragement that I needed, and he told me he really hopes I come to the retreat on the weekend. I was so confused. I came here expecting to argue and to talk people out of faith, and somehow I just encouraged someone to stay and to dig in more. But I could see how important this was and how much he needed it. And there was something that felt really good and right about that. I went home that night feeling really amazing. The next day I had a really good day. I cleaned up my place and I decided to call my ex to let her know things were going well at Alpha and in my life. She was really hurting because of the things I, I confessed to her. We got into this huge argument and she really let out her frustration, rightfully so, and she, and she hung up. I felt like garbage. I went to grab uh, what I thought was a knife and I was going to end, end my life. Thankfully I cleaned up my place beforehand and I put the knives uh, away and I couldn't remember where. I was in a panic and I didn't know what else to do, so I called the crisis line. I was freaking out on the phone telling this lady I wanted to die and I had nothing to live for. She was calmly talking to me and she's, and she should 
but, or she was calmly talking to me as she should, but I took it as she wasn't taking my situation seriously. So I told her I need to go find some actual help. I love my friend. I was about to hang up and she said, wait, wait, wait. I'm really worried about you, sir. Do you have anyone or anywhere you can go or anything you're looking forward to in the next couple of days? I couldn't think of anything. So I sadly said, there's nothing. But then I remembered the Alpha retreat was in two days. So I said, no, wait, I have Alpha on Saturdays. So I just need to make it through tomorrow. My whole mood completely flipped and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm excited for Alpha. The lady on the crisis line said, what's Alpha? I said, I don't really know. It has something to do with God. And then I said, I'm good now, thanks, and I hung up. <laughs> Went excited to Alpha that weekend for the retreat. They asked if anyone wanted to give their life to God this weekend, to say a prayer, and that's when I gave my life to God, October 31st, 2015. <laughs> this was an amazing decision, an incredible journey since then. I made lots of different decisions in my life. A lot didn't make sense to me, but I knew that's what God wanted me to do. I can't explain the change it was for me. I'm just so grateful for His love and grace. My decision, uh, my decisions were all God-led, and I can now look back at my darkest and hardest times in my life, and I'm grateful. Friends, I, I asked if I could share his story, because it is a story that's so obvious of life. That the thief was stealing and killing, and he... The thief was destroying his life. And then, through an invitation, through an ex who met Jesus, of all people, I love how God restores people, right? He says, come on, I want to see you. I care more that your life gets turned around. Because I've experienced abundant life now. And I long that you would experience abundant life. And everywhere he went, he's like, okay, I'm going to try it, but I'm going to... I'm going to come at it with this attitude and with this perspective and with this mood. And yet God, who's so gracious and who's such the good shepherd, says, come on with the attitude. I got you. Come on with the opinion. I got you. I'm going to meet you with somebody in the parking lot at your truck. And God just encounters him. And can I tell you, friends, he didn't write this, but I know this about his life. That since meeting Jesus, he went on. He was at, he was at a different church. He's with us now, but he was somewhere else. And they didn't have... Anyone to do youth, and they just had a few students. He's like, I can just volunteer my time. I run my own business so I can leave when I want. And on youth nights, on youth days, he would leave early. So he would go set up. And he just started saying yes to Jesus. And I don't know how many months had gone by, but it went from a handful of youth, and there were 70 youth coming. And he said, I, I need some friends to help me. And so he just recruited some friends, and they were just running as volunteers, just running this, this ministry for young people. And it's just like God's just bringing him into abundant life and he's so full of joy and he's so, he's in such a good place compared to where he was where the thief was lying and cheating and destroying life and what the enemy wanted to use for evil God turned it around for good friends and there are some of us, come on, that we're seeing we know people that are going through stuff and the thief, we're watching the thief steal, kill and destroy and yet God says I am the good shepherd, and I am the gate. And anyone, anyone, all people, that's why it says all people. We want to see all people experience abundant life in Jesus. Friends, it's not an event. It's a mandate and a calling to step into the cause of Christ, to see people draw to the Father.
that people are invited into such an intimate relationship. He says, I know the sheep and they know me. Just as the Father knows me. And then he goes on to say, this mandate, this commitment was given by the Father. You're so loved by the Father that he says to the Son, look, we're going to restore relationship between humanity and us. But it's going to require your life. And Jesus willingly gives his life so you and I can have abundant life in Jesus, in the way of Jesus, because it's in the way of Jesus. It cannot be any other way. He is the gate, friends. He is the only way to abundant life. There is no other way. There is no other way, friends. That is why when we look at society, it proves it for us. We have people trying everything to find life and life to the full. And yet we have seen a dramatic increase in mental health and depression because there was people trying to find it everywhere else. They're looking for the gate. They're looking for the gate. They're looking for the gate. And you cannot find the gate until you come to Jesus. So friends, I cannot talk about abundant life and the gate and not give people an opportunity. Look, when I was young, somebody, my pastor gave me an opportunity. I was, I was, I was attending the student ministry for a long time. He said, Kat, one day you just got to walk through the gate and say yes to Jesus. And one day I made that decision, just like my friend in October of 2015 walked through the gate, hugged the good shepherd, and the good shepherd said, I'm so glad you're here. There's abundant life in the pasture. There's abundant life both today and forever. There's both abundant life today and for eternity. And so friends, if you're here this morning and you're like, I, I, I don't know about this abundant life, can I tell you? You can have abundant life in Jesus. All you do is you go to, you just, you just say, Jesus, I know you're the gate. You're the way to eternal life. You're the way to abundant life. You're the way to life and life to the full. And I want to step through the gate. I want to enter into a relationship with you. And maybe there's some of you that you've been, you've known Jesus a long time, but it's been nothing more than an event. There are some of you, I believe, that need to come back to the real reason, the real thing that's going on here. And it's not an event. It's Jesus bringing eternal life to people, to the lost. Jesus says that he did not come for the healthy, but he came for the sick. He did not come for the righteous, but he came for the sinner. He says that because I'm not looking for right people, perfect people. I'm looking for honest people. Honest people that want to come to the gate and experience abundant life in the good shepherd. So friends, if you're in a place where you're like, yeah, I need that. Just even right now in your own heart, you can just, you can just talk to God. You don't, need, to, you don't meet, you need me to do it for you. This is your relationship with God. You can just come to God and say, God, what the enemy wanted to do for evil, you turned around for good. And you can say yes to abundant life in Jesus this morning. You can have a moment you say, yes, Jesus, I, I long for that abundant life. I want that abundant life. I want to step through the gate. You can have it. Look, he doesn't promise your life will be perfect. But he does promise you other things. And Jesus always comes through on his promise. Can I pray for you? And then the team's going to lead us. Why don't we stand? Can we stand? Oh, Jesus. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you are the one who has promised abundant life. You're the one, oh, Father, you're the one that said, son, I'm going to send you because you got to pay a price that they can never pay. you got to do something they can never do on their own. 
And Jesus, you willingly did it. You said, yep, I know the price that has to be paid. It's my life. And I love it when you, in John 10, I love it, Jesus, when you say, you prophesy, you say, no one takes my life from me. The thief does not take my life from me. I willingly lay it down. I have the authority to lay it down, but I also have the authority to pick it back up through my resurrection. And we thank you, God, that through you is abundant life, eternal life, and we can, we can taste and see it now, God, both now present and forevermore. And for those that need to say yes just right now, just in your own heart, you can just say, yes, God, I want abundant life. Yes, God, I want to step through the gate, maybe for the first time. Or God, maybe I've lost my first love and I'm coming back and I want to come back to the good shepherd. I've been trying to run a race that was so apart from you, God, so I just want to come back. God, help us live out this vision of joining you, of this, this John 10. Like, help us, be, help us be a local community of apprentices of you, God, that are drawing people to you, God. That people can experience abundant life maybe for the first time. We thank you for your goodness, God. We thank you, God, for what the, what the oh, for my friends, what the, what the enemy, what the thief tried to use for evil. You turned it around for good. Thank you, God. Come on, amen. I'm not sure if we've done this song here before. Um, I'm sure some of you know it. It may be new to you. We're going to start with the bridge, and we're just going to make a declaration that what the enemy has meant for evil, that he will turn for good. And even if you don't have the faith at this stage in your life to believe that, I encourage you just to speak that out in faith and declare that over whatever your circumstances are because he is pursuing you he is making all things new he is making good out of what the enemy has intended for evil If you need prayer this morning, Catlin and Janice will be on the side. Kara, do you want to go to the other side? If you need prayer, please don't hesitate to come. If you made that commitment to rededicate your life to God or that you just made that first-time decision, I just encourage you to come and tell one of these people and just have them to pray over you. Take 
speak out that he is king. Here we go. I just pray a blessing of abundant life over you as we go. Father, we are people who experience life by faith and not by sight. And as we come this morning, by faith, we open our hearts to experience real life through you, abundant life through you, in the places where we're most anxious and broken, in the places inside our lives where we're experiencing tension and broken relationships and death. Would you come and bring abundant life in those places, even today, in the places around us as we look around and we so, see so much death and destruction, the thief killing, stealing, and destroying. Would you bring your abundant life in us and through us into those places today, Lord Jesus? Pour out your goodness on us again and again. We honor you, we worship you, we praise you, and we believe you are the victory, Jesus. Amen. As you go, have a fantastic day. Bye-bye.